This message is brought to you by Heartland Family Fellowships. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. We thank you for listening in on our podcast and hope that the Lord does bless you as you listen today. We want to first welcome our online listeners. This is part two to the Art of Deception. And we are going to start our message out today talking about optical illusion. What's an optical? The eye. And we already talked a little bit about what illusions are. Illusions are thinking things that are there that are not really there. And I want to start out by telling you a little story. When I was in Phoenix, co-pastoring a church down there, we had a Christian uh, magician, if you can imagine those two words going together, but he was a man that evangelized, led people to Christ by using these tricks. And one of the ones was he wanted to disappear me on stage, prove a point. And he wasn't the type of magician where he would do his tricks and then he would leave you with the deception. He wanted to show you that the enemy uses tricks to keep you from the gospel, to make you think something that's really not true. And he wanted to show us how easy it was to actually trick people. So what he did is he made me come up on on stage and I had to stand on top of this box and there was a black sack around my feet, like a great big potato sack. And then he lifted this a black sack over my head and he tied it above my head. And then he told me to squat down inside this box. And it was a box only about so big. So I had to really stuff myself in there. And then he chained the box shut. And then he padlocked it. So here I am in this black potato bag tied up and stuffed into this box. And the box was chained this way and chained this way and padlocked. And then he stood on top of the box with a black curtain and he would go one, two, and three. And on number three, I was holding the curtain. And he was in the box, in the sack, tied up. Three seconds. So I got down off of the box. I took the keys. I opened up the padlocks. I took the chain off of the box. And he stood up in the black bag. I untied the black bag and dropped the black bag. And there he stood. Is it possible? Oh, yes. And yes, you can do it in three seconds. But see, he had many seconds where he was talking about me being in the box. And I was busy down in the box getting out of the box. Says he's holding this curtain with his head above the curtain, talking to us. Talk, 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 talk. Proverbs says, with many words there is transgression. He's talk, 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 talk. Meanwhile, there's a trap hole in the box. And I just pop the lock on the inside. The little door drops out of the way. I come up through that hole behind the curtain. And I take the... the uh, black uh, sack off because there was a hole in the black sack so I could get out of it. And while I'm getting out of it, he's stepping into it. And on the when he goes one, two, three, 
I grab a hold of the bar and I stand up. And he's working his way into the box. Now I'm talk, 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 talking. So people are listening to my talking and they're not listening to him getting back in the box. It's called a trick. And boy, everyone thought that was just the coolest thing ever. That I could get into that box, get paddle locked, undo the paddle locks, undo the sack, and stand there in three seconds. That's called an illusion. We wanted to create something to make the people think one thing. In reality, it wasn't true. That's the devil. That's how the devil works. Now, I want to show you something. What do you see right here? What do you kids see? You see a cup? Okay. All you kids see the cup? Okay, kids first. Do you see anything else besides the cup? Do you see something in the cup? Or around the cup? Now I want to show you something. This is a very, 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 very important thing to remember. And the magician, who is also one of my very dear friends, he taught me something about children. So children cannot be easily deceived. What they see is what they believe. So I'm going to show you a bunch of illusions and most children cannot figure them out. Because children believe what they see. Now that also makes them vulnerable to be deceived, but their faith is so simple. If they see a cup, that's what it is. But adults, that's a different story. Adults, you can play with their minds a little bit more. And that is true. And I've been counseling people for 30 some years. And I've found it's a lot easier to get a, an adult mind messed up than it is a kid's mind. Because kids believe what they see. And what does the Bible say about be as children? Yeah, in fact, it even says that you must be as children in order to enter the kingdom of God. So God has actually protected the minds of children in a way that when you become adult, you are more vulnerable to illusions. This is a common understanding with magicians. It's the adults that you can mess with. Kids are just sitting there going, I don't get it. They're fascinated by it. But adults, it perks curiosity like no other. Now, one of you adults tell me what you see. Two faces. Do kids see two faces? Come here, Phoebe. I need your hand. I'll take it. Now ask for Phoebe. Okay. Point your finger. Just point your finger. Look. Forehead, nose, mouth, and chin. Look at this. Forehead, nose, mouth, and chin. Can you see it now? Can you see it, Aaron? Come on, come up here. Come close. Now watch this. Do you see it now? 
Forehead, nose, mouth, and chin. See that? And there's two of them. There's one on this side facing that person and that side facing the other person. So now you have two people facing each other. So now let's look at our Jeremiah passage, okay? It says again, they bend their tongue like their bow. Lies and not truth prevail in the land. So they bend their tongue like a bow. So what's it mean to lie again? You know, we have been talking the past few minutes here about how some people, how the enemy creates an illusion. And here's what a lie is. A lie is trying to create a mental picture of something that is not true. But if you say it loud enough, or if you say it really convincing, or if you say it like you're telling the truth, maybe the person you're lying to will actually see it in their mind as truth. That's what these illusions are supposed to do. They've just studied the mind to know how your mind works, that they can put colors and images in, in a certain order, that they can literally create that image inside your mind when it is not even on the page. A lot of people think they're classified as subliminals where the image is actually hidden inside the image. They're not. They're in your mind. It's your mind that puts the image together. And that's how the enemy does it. These magicians that you see on television or wherever you see them, where they disappear cars, or they disappear buildings, or they do these really, really, really fancy tricks, and all they're doing is having a mental image created in your mind that doesn't even exist. And if a man can do that, if a magician can do that, I think maybe the devil could do it. Don't you think? So when you lie, you're doing what the devil does. That's what you're doing. You're trying to create a picture in someone's mind that does not exist. So, for they proceed from evil to evil. When you lie, when you create an image in someone's mind that is not true, it is classified as Evil. Did you know that? Tori, what's evil? That is definitely evil. But the definition of evil is the craft from the enemy. It's what comes from the hand. So when the hand is quicker than the eye and you disappear a penny and you, you do all of this kind of stuff, that's what it's saying is evil is what comes from the hand. It's the enemy. He's lying to you. And what comes from his hand is evil. It's not really true. It's not of truth. So you see, these people were lying to one another, so therefore they practice evil. And they just went from one lie to the next lie, one evil to the next evil. They, and it says that they don't know me, declares the Lord. Well, people who lie are actually confessing that they don't know God. Because why would they want to go around and act like the devil if they say they know God? 
So a lot of times people who have a really, really bad habit of lying aren't necessarily of God. They might think they are because Satan has created an illusion. So one of the primary things we watch for in, in confirming someone's salvation is do they lean more towards speaking truth or lean more towards speaking lies? That's how you find out if someone is secure in their salvation. And sometimes that is very difficult for us to accept. And that's why we should never, ever push children towards salvation. It needs to be discovered through the Holy Spirit with the help of the parents. Because a lot of times we are teaching them all the right Christian language, but we are not necessarily leading them to Christ. We're leading them to the words of Christ. So it says, Let everyone be on guard against his neighbor, and who is not... And do not trust his brother because they, because every brother uh, deals crafty, and that's what comes from the hand. And every neighbor goes about as a slanderer. What's a slanderer? What's it mean to slander someone? It's to steal the character of another. That's slander. You're saying, I don't have any character, or I don't have that characteristic, so I'm going to steal it from you. That's what slander is. You're actually confessing that you're, you don't have that. So when you slander someone, you're actually use, slandering them in an area of an area you are weak in. Something you don't have. So if it's someone who speaks the truth all the time and speaks truth accurately and whatever, oftentimes a slanderer say, you're a liar. You're not telling the truth. You're giving them what you're really suffering, and you're trying to steal from them what they truly have. They did that to Jesus every day. Stealing character is not going to give you character. Right? Exactly. So, the Lord was telling them to be careful, watch out for your neighbors, because for some reason, everyone in this town was doing the same thing. Except for God's people. We'll come back to this passage again a little later. I'm going to point out several verses, and then I'm going to give you a list of things that I believe that the good Lord is telling us. The first one says, Oh, sons of men, how long will my, will my honor become a reproach? How long will you love what is worthless and aim at deception? Okay, so let's picture this. You have two bales of hay, and on one bale of hay, you have a bullseye target. And on the other bale of hay over here, you have a bullseye target. On the inside of the bullseye, on the left, it says deception. And on the inside of the bullseye on the right, it says truth. Some people take their arrows, they put them in their bows. Instead of aiming toward truth, they aim toward deception. Now, why? Would anyone want to aim toward deception and get a bullseye? Hit the mark every time. Why would they do that? And it also goes back to the stealing of character. And, if I would really show you the targets, the target of truth is much smaller. The bullseye of deception is huge. Many, many, many walk that pathway and it's easy to walk and it's an easy target to hit. 
But hitting something that is so, that bullseye of truth is so tiny and so small that it's going to take a very, very special skilled young man or young woman or old man or old woman to hit that target. So it's, we're going to have to be trained in the art of truth instead of the art of aiming at deception. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil, no evil dwells with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all who do iniquity. You destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord honors the man, abhors the man of bloodshed and deceit. So, we're going to find out as we talk about this this morning that there's seven things that God says that he hates. Remember that? Out of the seven things that God says that he hates, four of them have to do with lies. For some reason, God has a big, big, big thing about lies. About people who take their arrow, and an arrow in the Hebrew means children. They take their arrow, they put it in their bow. Remember the passage in Jeremiah about they, they put falsehood and bend their tongue like they bend their bow? The same Hebrew picture is being communicated here. They take their children, they put it in their bow, their craft, and they aim at deception, and they fire the child, and that child hits the bullseye of deception. You've automatically passed your children to deception. And deception is one of the 13 characteristics of Satan. It's actually one of the 13 names. Now that's how fast deception can be passed to the next generation. If you have a parent or two parents that lie to you a lot, you're going to grab your children, put them in your craft, and you're going to aim at, that, at deception, you're going to fire your child, and that child is going to hit the bullseye of deception and become exactly like you. Well, Satan knows that. He doesn't debate it. He doesn't wonder about it. It's not an illusion to him. That is a biblical truth. Same thing works for truth. If you grab your children, you grab the arrow, you put it in your bow, your craft, and you fire it, and God directs the pathway, man makes a plan, God directs the pathway of that arrow, and it hits the center of truth, and the children become children of truth. That's what's being painted for us. And yes, God does use words to paint pictures inside of our minds. Remember the little story I told you about pictorial Hebrew? Satan uses illusions. God uses real pictures. The real deal. Okay, and if a man does not repent, he will sharpen his sword. He has bent his bow and made it ready. And God himself uses the same illustration of the bow, the same illustration of the arrow. So when it talks about in Proverbs about, you know, my quiver is full, meaning five arrows, Five arrows is a full family. And the idea of having your children, we are taking it to the next step. Why do you have children? You have children to put into the bow and aim at the bullseye of truth and let that child go 
and hit the target of truth. But some parents take that child, that arrow, and they aim at deception, and they hit the bullseye of deception. That's why we have children that were liars, grow up to be adults that are liars, and then it goes to their children, and then to their children, and then generation after generation. And the only way we can break the deception is through truth. It sets us free. Okay. Here's our uh, conclusion here. Honor becomes a reproach. This is what happens to people. Instead of honoring your children and your children honoring you and so forth and so on, a reproach is like being spanked. So your honor is actually thrown away and you get spankings all the time. God's always correcting you or your mommy's always correcting or your daddy's always correcting you. Two is love what is worthless instead of them loving the that tiny little bullseye of truth, since that's too hard in their mind, then I will love what is worthless. I'm going to love the bullseye that is nice and big. It's easy to get. It's like the big piece of chocolate cake on the counter that's easy to get to. Versus making yourself a sandwich, you got to open the fridge door, you got to get out the lunch meat, got to get, got to cut you some bread, got to put a little butter on the bread, and then you got to put the meat on the bread, and then you got to put a little mayonnaise on the, on the bread, and then maybe a pickle. I like pickles in mine. I even like potato chips on top of my, my meat. And then I put the sandwich together, and then I cut the sandwich, and then I get myself a glass of water, and then I sit down and I have to eat. It's a lot of work. Instead of just grabbing that big piece of chocolate cake with chocolate frosting and just snarfing it down. That's how easy Satan has made his choice. Where truth is a small bullseye that takes enormous labor, which we actually have to have someone help us with our own labor, Versus the labor of hitting the other target, that piece of chocolate cake, that's easy. I'll just steal it. I won't even ask who it belongs to. That's the enemy. So, since that truth is so hard to live and choose, we're going to need someone else to help us choose it. That's the life of Jesus. That's why we need to get saved and ask Christ into our life. They aim at deception. We've already talked about that. God hates wickedness. And what exactly is wickedness? You say, oh, he's a wicked person. What is wicked? When you're being bad and not obeying the word. Anyone else? Uh For me, one of the best word pictures of wickedness is it's a name tag. It's an identity. So someone who goes from evil to evil, evil to evil, evil to evil, in other words, lie to lie, lie to lie, lie to lie, gets a name badge on them that says, no longer Steve Finney of honor. It now says, wicked. So when people see me, they think, oh, he's wicked. You lose your identity of really who you are, and you get this label of who you're really not. And wickedness is an identity label. Number five is arrogant people will fall. So 
God knows it's just time. It's just a matter of time and the person's going to trip over a rock and they're going to fall and they're going to hit the ground. They're going to get hurt. They're going to hurt everyone around them. So the person who lies thinks that they're getting away. Yeah, I know. I know. That's a fun place, huh? But they think they're getting away with it and they're not. It's just... It's just a matter of time. Every lie has its day. Every lie is found out. Some people don't find out about till after they die and they stand before God. But every lie has its day. And here's the scary thing. is, is Jesus actually said, Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of man is... What's the rest of the verse? Anyone? Recorded in the book of life. Christian or not, doesn't make any difference. Everything that comes out of your mouth is written down in the book of life. Now, if you're a Christian, you're not going to have to go to that bad place. You'll be forgiven. But it's still recorded. Because God wants us to understand the seriousness of telling lies. Number six, God hates those who purposely deceive. When God hates something and there's only, there's less than 10 passages in the entire Bible that says God hates. Now there's many more than 10 that says God hates, but there's less than 10 things that God says He hates. But anything that is connected to a lying tongue, God immediately says, I despise it. I want nothing to do with it. So if one of his kids, born-again Christians, are telling lies all the time, he brings them to destruction. So they don't lie anymore. It's kind of like the little kid that constantly says, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, and the parent knows that they did it. The parent waits until the lie surfaces, and now the lie becomes the teacher to teach the child instead of the parent. And that's how foolish children, whether you're this big or this big, foolish children enjoy being taught by lies. And that is why parents need to do their job. It's truth. We don't want the children to be always have to learn by being caught in their lies. That's not the kind of teacher God wants us to be. God wants the teacher to be truth, who is Jesus Christ. Number seven, God disciplines those who purposely deceive. Number eight is there's that abhor again. God despises those who lie. You say, well, what if I'm a Christian? He doesn't despise you as a child of God. He despises what you're doing. God's never going to enjoy a child of his telling lies. He just doesn't. If you don't repent, God will deal with you harshly. Well... That's what happens when we're little kids. If you don't go to your mommy and your daddy and say, I was the one that broke the lamp. I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? And they have to wait until, you know, they find out on their own. You're not going to be dealt with quite the same. If you tell the truth up front, mommies and daddies are usually not harsh, but they're usually a lot easier because you're telling the truth. That's how God is. It's no different. But if you lie to God and lie to your mommy and lie to your daddy and lie to your sister and lie to your brother, you said lie, 
Well, sooner or later it's going to catch up to you and it's going to feel very harsh. You're going to think God doesn't love you. In reality, He does love you a lot. And then number ten, an unrepentant person is, there's that word again, wicked. You've got to remember this is according to the Old Testament before Christ. So if you have Jesus Christ living inside you, you're no longer wicked. You don't have that name tag anymore. You have the name tag that says child of God. Redeemed. Free. Forgiven. But we still have to say to God and to the person we lied to, I was wrong. To God you say, I accept your forgiveness. And to our family member or friend that we lied to, you say, I was wrong for lying to you. Would you please forgive me? And that restores us back again to a healthy relationship. Now, this is kind of a long passage here out of Psalms, but it says, the wicked, there's that ugly word again, in the haughtiness, what is haughty? It's normally seen in the eyes. It's a Hebrew word that has the, the symbol of I in it. It's not deceit. It is. It's a haughty look and it's usually seen in the eye. It says, I am better than you. They usually hold their chin up a little higher. They act like everything's okay. They act like everything is fine. They act like they have a lot of energy. They act like, they act like, they act like. The truth of the matter is, is acting is creating an illusion. You ever watched a movie? And you've watched the actors. And the actors are so good at what role they're playing in the movie, sometimes you're even crying. You're getting emotional about who they're acting. And then later you find out what that actor's really like. And they're totally opposite of the, what they portrayed in the movie. That's called creating an illusion. Christians do that. They act like nothing's wrong. They act like they're better. They act like they're okay. They act like nothing's bothering them. And the truth is, they are very, very bothered by things. They're not being honest. So when someone comes up to them and says, Well, how are you? Instead of, Oh, I'm fine. Things are, things are great. If they were honest and things aren't so great, they would say, You know, really, not very well. I could use a lot of prayer. That's telling the truth. If you really aren't doing that well. So, this whole thing about your continence, haughtiness is found in someone's eyes and face. It's pretending, it's creating an illusion of a person over here, just like an actor does. They're creating a person over here, so you will look at the person and think everything is just fine. But in reality, you're standing over here feeling horrible, upset, down, whatever word you want to use. Acting is not just for television. People do it every day. It's all around us. And it shows on our face. Continence is really, what is that look on your face? And a lot of people really, really, really work to make their face look like everything is okay. So, God says there is no God or they say that there is no God and His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high out of, out of His sight. 
As for all of his adversaries, he snorts at them. Snorting is kind of like, huh. I know when you hear a pig snort, it's kind of like, but snorting here is throwing your head back. So when the Bible talks about God uh, snorting or people snorting at God, it's kind of like they're throwing their head back going, I'm not giving you any attention. So when God says, I'm not giving you any attention, that's not good. But when man says to God, huh, I don't care what you think, God, I'm not giving you any attention. Well, that doesn't affect God very much. Because he's God. But this is a very serious thing if God does it to us. And one of the things that seem to do it, that God is right there on the edge of saying, okay, I'm not going to give you the time of day, is when we're lying and have a lifestyle of a lie. I mean, who likes hanging around a liar? Do you know someone that lies all the time? They're no fun to be around. Because you're standing there going, I don't believe a word you're saying. But you can't tell them because they'll just tell a lie. So they're really no fun to be around. They think they're fun to be around because they've created this little actor. But they're no fun to be around because everyone sees through their lies, except for the liar. Why? Because liars first have to deceive themselves before they can deceive someone else. Once they deceive someone else, they can create any picture they want. I can disappear in the bag. The truth being said, no, I can't. But I don't want you to know that. So God is saying some really serious stuff. He says, under his tongue is mischief. This is talking about the person who likes to lie. They have the tendency to oppress people. So here's our list with this passage. They have a proud look in the face. They do not call out for help. They think they can fix everything themselves. There's a, a passage in Proverbs that says, For a wise man seeks the counsel of many. So when I have a big decision to make, I have certain people that I run to to seek their counsel. Before I send off a letter, before I send off a decision, I want to know what my wise counsel thinks. My counselor. Because if my decision goes bad for some reason, I get to go to my counselors and they can help me work through it. But this person usually says, I don't need your help. I can figure it out. I'm my own man. I can do it. I'm a big boy. I can do it. In reality, no, we can't. We're made to work with each other. Number three... They wonder if God is really there sometimes. They wonder if they're really Christian. They wonder if God cares. They wonder if God is around. They wonder if God has forsaken them. They wonder, always wondering about God. Liars always wonder. Well, people of truth don't wonder. They know. Right? Peter knew if he got out of that boat, he was going to walk on water. He knew. Because he looked out at Jesus and he said he did the opposite. He didn't have a proud look about him, not at that moment. And he called out for help and he said, he said, Jesus, tell me to come and I'll come. That's what it says in the Greek. One of the shortest verses in the Bible. And Jesus says, oh, Peter, you don't have, you don't have enough faith to do this. You're not like me. Who do you think you are, Peter? You can walk on water like me? 
That's not the Jesus we know, is it? Jesus wants to give his faith away. So Peter's like, got probably got one foot on the edge of the boat and he's ready to get out of the water. And Peter says the absolute right thing. He says, just tell me to come. Tell me what to do. Do you know that Peter was one of the richest fishermen in the whole world? He was a very, very, very successful fisherman. History tells us he had a fleet, a whole fleet, many, many, many fishing ships. So here's a man that already had pretty much everything he ever wanted. And he said to Jesus, just give me the command. He understood truth is supported by just tell me what to do. Any man who is successful better first realize he's successful because some man said to do something. So when a parent says to a child, just do it. And if the child is saying, why? 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 Why's lead to lies. Unless you're asking a why about deception. You don't need to ask the why. You just, with about truth, you just go, I know that's truth and I need to do it. Deception, you go, there's not, there's something not right about this. Why is that like that, Dad? Dad explains it, so you choose truth. And that's what Peter was doing. So Peter was saying, he's waiting, so Jesus said, come. Peter gets out of the water, he walks on water, walks over to Jesus, and something began to happen to Peter. What happened? Peter fixed his eyes on what? He fixed his eyes on the storm. I would have fixed my eyes on the water. The fact that I was walking on top of water. That would have made me afraid. I'd get up there and go like, what am I doing? Is this an illusion? Is this a magic trick? There was no magic. This was truth. See, Satan likes to play that edge. To create illusions of people walking on water. I saw someone walk on water once. And you know what I found out? There was glass underneath that water. They created an illusion. But to truly walk on water would take a miracle of God, Jesus Christ. But that's what an illusion is. That's what a trick is. It's replicating something of God that's not really of God. Number four is they, there's that snort again. God snorts at this kind of person. He just kind of just kind of goes, all right, all right. Believe your own lies. And some people have to believe their own lies until they die. And they think they got away with it. All their entire life, they think they got away with these lies. Things they stole, things they said or whatever. I remember when I was in counseling one time, I was the counselee, in other words, someone was counseling me. And my counselor said to me to make a list of everything that I stole from someone. I stole a lot of stuff. So I wrote down the things that I could remember and I gave it to my counselor. And he says, now I want you to drive all the way back to Iowa, which was 18-hour drive. And I want you to go to these people and reconcile with them and offer to pay them back. 
You see, he was wanting to give me a clear conscience so that I could function in ministry not as a thief acting in ministry, but with a clear conscience. So just because you stole something a year ago and you can still remember it doesn't mean you're cleared yet because no one found out. If it's in here and you can remember it, you need to get rid of it. So if you remember something you did a year ago and you never told your mommy and dad about it, you should tell them. God already knows. They may not do anything about it except for give you a big hug, but it's good to tell them because you want to keep your head clean. But God doesn't want you sitting around going, oh, I know there's more I stole or I told lies about. No, if it comes to your mind. Don't stuff it back down. If it comes into your mind, you go, you know, Daddy, about, I think it was several months ago I told you a lie about whatever. Just get it out. And if it's with your spouse, if it's with a friend, if it's with a father, if it's with a mother, get it out. So the relationship can get all cleaned up. So that God doesn't say, okay, all right, just believe your lies. We don't want that to happen. Proud people say, I will do it my way. Number six, this person curses when they're upset. So when now when someone confronts them, they get all upset. They're upset that you're confronting them or you're wondering if it's a lie or wondering if it's a... And so they get upset. Instead of just being at peace with the truth, they start getting upset. Some people even say bad words when you confront them. This person oppresses people with high control. Oppressing comes from the, ter the term of taking your hands and pressing uh, grapes. Some, some cultures do it with their feet. As they crawl into a wine barrel and they start stomping on the grapes. And they turn the grapes into wine, right? Or the grape juice. Right. They're oppressing the grapes. They're crushing them. And some people, no, not some people, all people who tend to lie oppress people. They crush them. They're crushing their wives, their husbands, their children, or their friends. Say nice things, but mischief behind others' backs, so they may be smiley, smiley, and then as soon as you walk away from them, they're telling lies about you, or gossiping, or trying to hurt your feelings, or something like that. And they threaten to hurt uh, others, so if you keep pushing for the truth, sometimes they'll get angry. And if you're a kid, sometimes you, you threaten your brother or your sister and you just say, if you tell, I'm gonna. You see? Well, God doesn't want us threatening each other. The enemy does. Then they take advantage of weak people. They think weak people are easy to lie to. And they are. Weak people are oftentimes simple-minded people. They don't ask a lot of questions. Think God doesn't care about them anymore, and that's what we were talking about at the top. And then number 12 is they snub God, which is kind of like that snorting, is they just say, I'm not going to give you any attention. Now, what's this right here? It's a mailbox? It looks like a can. And what are razors for? Cut. Okay, cut. It's a razor blade. 
Well, what's this? It's a family. And what are they here for? To praise the Lord. You know the illustration I gave you about grabbing the child out of the out of the out of your arrow pouch and putting it into your bow and aiming at the target that has truth written on the inside of that bullseye. That's what family's for, is to pass truth from generation to generation. The reason why we're preaching about Jesus this morning is because people have done that. And if they aim over at deception, which is the face of Satan, then they will pass his image from generation to generation. Now, if you have a piece of pie, 90% of that pie, which is almost all the pie, 90% of that pie believes in the target called deception. You realize that? Less than 10% of all the people in the whole world believe in truth. Jesus. So Satan knows the best way to destroy the family is with this razor blade. And that's what he does. Do you know what people who lie are able to do? It is a very simple thing that happens. People who lie are able to cut families right in half. They destroy the family. It's the first thing that they destroy. They think it's destroying them first. It's not. In fact, most people who lie, lie so well, they lie their whole lives, and usually they prosper until the end. Then it all catches up. It's the family that gets cut and destroyed and oppressed and hurt. So living with a daddy or living with a mommy that lies all the time immediately destroys the children and the family but it doesn't necessarily destroy them until they get very old. Doesn't sound right, does it? But it's how it works. And that's what it says. Your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor. And this is out of Psalms 52. It says, O worker of deceit, you love evil more than good or truth, falsehood more than speaking what is right or truth, Sila is actually Hebrew for an explanation mark. You love all words that devour, that hurt people, or a deceitful tongue. But God will break you down forever. He will snatch you up and tear you away from your tent and uproot you from the land of the living. And what that is, tents are always symbolic in the Hebrew of family. It's, it's this house right here. God says if you want to stay safe in your house, you want your children and grandchildren to run back here saying I need a safe place for the weekend, I need a safe place for a week, I need a safe place for a few months, then create a tent of truth. But if you allow the enemy to cut your tent, holes in your tent, your children won't run to your tent. They'll run away from the tent. Because the tent's not a safe place anymore. Truth makes a good refuge. Truth makes a great tent. Right? I know it's a horrible topic. It really is. But, whether we're talking about the story of Jonah or the story of Peter getting out of the boat, 
both require hearing the word of God immediately and saying, Yes, sir. Peter knew he just needed to hear Jesus say the command, Come. And he could come. That's truth. But can you imagine if Jesus said this, Come, Peter. And Peter goes, Hmm. Just just a minute, Jesus. I'm thinking. If I get out of the water, I'll probably sink. I'm not Jesus. I, I can't walk on water. That's, that's ridiculous. Why did I even say that to Jesus? I, I am not getting out of this boat. This is ridiculous. I'm just going to stay here and take a nap. Well, that's not what Peter did, is it? Peter got out of that boat as soon as he heard the word, come. That is truth. Even though it looked like an illusion, it wasn't. I think it looked like an illusion too to have a fish come and swallow you. But it wasn't. It's not a little story that we tell children. It was the truth. To hear it straight, hardcore, from the core of God, Jesus Christ, that's pretty hard. Yeah, and that goes back to what we started with today, is children children can't pick out these illusions. And I don't believe God wants them to. Parents have to draw them out, take their finger, and draw out the illusion. So in other words, children accept things right as you say them. So when Jesus said you need to be as these little ones, in order to even get into the kingdom of God, he's saying, if I say it, believe it. Don't question me. Don't go do a theological exam on it. Just come out of the boat. But, we have children who are overeducated because parents have used the philosophy it's okay to ask questions. You only allow children to ask questions when it comes to deceptive things or to clarify the truth, which is still removing deception from truth. But truth itself, you don't need all those guidelines. You don't. I don't need to have Jesus prove to me why he is who he is. I don't need Jesus to prove why he said what he said, when he said it, so I could believe it, because it matches church history. He is, and I am not, and I am to accept who he is instantaneously. Remember the Billy Graham story I've told you kids several times? True story. One of, one of uh, Billy Graham's friends, missionary in Africa. Parents are in the hut. Father comes out on the porch. Kids in the tree. Father calls out to the boy and says what? You kids remember? He said, drop to the ground. And the boy immediately just let go of the branch and fell out of the tree. And then the father said, and the kid stayed there, and the father said, crawl to me. Do not get on your knees. Crawl to me like a snake. So the boy is on his elbows, crawling to his father, gets to the porch. The father says, you may stand up. The boy stands up. And then the boy asks the question, Daddy, see this is the good kinds of questions. He was 
learning from truth. He wanted to know the meaning of this truth. My daddy spoke. He wasn't questioning his authority. That's a bad kind of question. He said to his daddy, why, why did you have me act like a snake? He turns the boy around and he says, look into the tree right above where you were playing. And there was a snake, a deadly snake. So the father had him act like a snake, be as wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove in order to save his life. Drop from a tree like snakes do. They just drop. Snakes don't slither down trees. They drop from trees. And then he crawled to his father. So the snake simply thought it was a bigger snake than he was. That's a wise father. It's a wise son. Instead of, Oh, Dad, what, why, why do you want to play this game now? Daddy, I'm busy. I'm building a fort. Meanwhile, what's the snake doing? Oh, here's supper time here. Most children question at the wrong time about the wrong things. Truth should never, I don't care what any, any big person tells you kids, truth is never to be questioned. Only what you think is getting mixed up with truth. Ask all the questions you want. All the questions you want. And your parents will probably be very quick to answer those kind of questions. But when it comes to what Jesus said is already truth, why, why ask questions? Unless, remember, unless you want to understand it more. Those are good questions. But don't question like, oh, come on, do you, do you really think all this is true? The absolute word of God? Do you know there's churches that actually are questioning whether this is the absolute word of God? Do you know where they get that? Is by asking the wrong questions at the wrong time instead of asking the right questions at the right time. If I ask Jesus, Jesus, why did you allow that to happen to me? That's not a good question. But if I ask Jesus, you know, Jesus, I'm going to accept what is happening to me right now, but I don't understand it. And I am asking that you would please give me peace to accept it. And a lot of times, he gives us the understanding of why. Parents never want to give their children true understanding until they accept absolute truth. And if you write that statement in your heart, you will never, ever stray from Christ. Thank you for joining us today. Heartland Family Fellowship is a local church plant here in Sterling, Kansas. Our fellowship includes the family and all levels of worship. Our mission is to bring families back together spiritually, relationally, and physically. Many people ask us, what does that really mean or how does it benefit them? Well, it means that you can bring your entire family to any of Heartland's events. And we will work to keep the focus on God, Jesus Christ, and the body of Christ without dividing up the family at the front door. If you're interested in learning more about our fellowship or other family-integrated fellowships, please log on to our website. That is www.heartlandfellowships.org. We thank you for joining us. 
Get yourself in a fine, lose a shirt off your back. Need a floor, need a couch, need a bus pack.